Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Today's date is Friday, April 19th, 2019. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 20, six paragraphs, going through two paragraphs. Today's readers are, thank you for your service, Stu L, Kim G, Lauren N, Tenzin P, Allison E. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, April 18th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 12,798. That's 12798. And for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 12800. That's 12,800. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Tenzin. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Um, Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power 
to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenson. I will now ask for Allison E. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Allison. Hi, good morning. This is Allison E., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Here are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group or never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Allison. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear my little buzzer or I'll say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing, again, on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 20. In the chapter, There is a Solution, we will be on the sixth paragraph, going through two paragraphs, and I will ask for Do L to get us started. Go ahead, Do. Good morning. Um, it says, then we have a certain type of hard drinker. We may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die in a few years before his time. If sufficiently strong reason, ill health, failing in love, change of environment, a warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate. Although he may find it difficult or and troublesome and may even need medical attention. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. And uh, good morning, everyone. This is Du L, Recover Compulsive Reader from New York. Um, I absolutely love this. It's talking and making a distinction between what is a real alcoholic, what is a real compulsive reader, what is the real addict versus someone that's not and suffers the consequences of gluttony in our case. Um, uh, instead of, you know, like it, it's talking about here, the, the real hard drinker. So, you know, they may have the consequences of of getting intoxicated and losing control um, to a degree. But if they have a good enough reason, they're able to stop. Um, but not with the real alcoholic. That's the difference. Um, and for me, my experience has been uh, I, I I just recall because this was so um, impressed on me uh, through this one experience uh, with my sister. My sister, um, I haven't seen her for years. And, uh, you know, when she was younger, she was called spaghetti or noodles um, because she was so skinny. And when I had seen her again, she had really gotten big. And I thought, oh, my God, I was in early recovery. I had just recovered, and I thought I had to go and save my sister. And little did I know that she was paying attention to my own compulsive eating. And um, I went to her to introduce her this program, and she says, no, 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 honey. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, I am not what you are. She says, you are someone that once you start eating, you can't seem to stop. And it doesn't matter what reasons we give you for stopping, you can't seem to pull that off. I am not you. I can stop at any given time. The reason I'm eating these Oreo cookies and I'm gaining this weight is because I've been skinny all my life and I just want to be at this weight because it makes me feel comfortable. She says, but I will prove it to you that I am not like you. She says, you see these Oreo cookies? I want you to count them. And I'm going to leave them here for the next three months just to prove to you that I'm not like you. And sure enough, she leaves the cookies alone for three months like she said she was going to do. She loses the weight. And I see my sister restored the, the, the way I've known her. 
And then she comes back after three months and she says, I've proven my point. I'm a heart eater. I'm not a compulsive eater. Um, I'm going to go back to the cookies, not because I'm trying to get diabetes, not because, you know, I'm trying to do all these other things, but because I feel comfortable the way I am. And so she went back and she had the cookies. She gained the weight back and she was okay. You know, the difference between someone like her and me is that once I start, I can't even pull that off for the first day or the, 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 the few hours. Um, because once I take in my addictive binge foods, I can't seem to stop. And it doesn't matter what the reason is, I'm not going to be able to pull that off. And that's what this is talking about. It's talking about the hard drinker versus the compulsive eater. And I hope that that distinction and that experience also impresses upon other people the way it impressed upon me. Because I tell you, I'll never, ever, ever judge another person that way again, because I don't know until they claim it themselves. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do. Okay, so we're going to take first names, uh, first initial, last names. And if you haven't shared in a couple days, uh, please uh, give way to those who have not. And again, we're on page 20, six paragraph, two paragraphs. Sally A. Nessa R. Percy. Nancy P. Nancy P. Okay, Nancy this is who P. I have so I've got Sally A, Nessa R, Nancy P. Who else did I miss? Nicole C. C. Say again, please. Nicole C. C. I got Nicole C. Who else? Larry K. I got a Larry K and somebody F. I keep missing your first name. I Larry C. All right, Betsy. Thank you. Betsy F. And yes, got it. I can take one more or two. Who else? Did you hear Kim J? I didn't catch that. Could you try again? I'm Kim J. Oh, Kim. Okay, got it. That'll work. Thanks. All right. I have Sally A, Nessa R, Nancy P, Nicole C, Larry K, Betsy F, and Kim G. Uh, sorry if I missed you. Try again in the next group. Okay. Sally A, your turn, followed by Nessa R. Hi. Good morning, everyone. I'm Sally A from New Jersey. Um, this 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 part of the big book, um, I have to admit, used to piss me off in the beginning because it made me resentful. Like, why why am I so different than you know, half the obese population, you know, that I know of. And um, what I mean by that is I knew a lot of people that were overweight because those were my people. You know, I hung out with people that liked to eat for years. And a lot of them were able to lose weight um, simply on the, you know, a scare of a doctor or, you know, simply realizing, like, my best friend um, used to be over 400 pounds and, you know, he noticed that I was in OA and, um, you know, I would explain to him it's like, you know, emotional eating and things like that. And just by that knowledge, he was able to, quote unquote, not eat his feelings anymore and, and drop a tremendous amount of weight and goes to the gym every day. 
And, you know, he's kept it off for years. And, you know, I have been resentful of that for a long time. Like, why is it easy for some people like that and and so hard for me? And um, I realized by this chapter in the big book, by this passage, is that I have a disease. You know, they don't have this disease. I have this disease. So I, instead of being resentful, I start to become more self-compassionate, you know, that I am different. You know, they're, they're, I can't just, you know, let go of the food based on self-knowledge or what a doctor tells me or emotional eating, uh, being more aware of that. It, it doesn't matter. You know, it's still not going to penetrate my my illness, um, like working the steps and getting a spiritual awakening. Um, so I just wanted to share that. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you, Sally A. Nessa R. followed by Nancy P. Go ahead, Nessa. Hi. Good morning. Um, Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered um, compulsive overeater um, in Toronto, Canada. So growing up, um, two of the people that I hung out the most with were, you know, my best friend and my cousin. And they, they both, they both ate like I ate, you know, my, my best friend, you know, with my binge body, my, my cousin actually, um, you know, ate worse than I did. Um, he breakfast every, every day with a family sized bag of Cheetos and a two bottle, a two liter bottle of Coke. And, um, you know, um, you can imagine what the rest of the day was like for him. But one day, um, they each individually independently decided they needed to lose weight. You know, my cousin, because she got fed up with people teasing him. And my best friend, because she became interested in boys. And, you know, they did it. They did it. They, they each went on their own diet and they lost the weight. And to this day, to this day, more than 35, 40 years later, they are still in the thin body. Um, so it shows me that they were never compulsive overeaters. They were just merely hard eaters, you know, and, you know, not every fat person out there is a compulsive overeater, just like not every thin person out there is um, a normal eater. But what about the you know, alcoholic? You know, what about me? You know, I, I, I was, I was puzzled, you know, like then I, I also wanted to lose weight and I also wanted to keep it off more importantly, um, because I was able to lose weight on various diets and methods but I was never able to keep it off for more than like three and a half nanoseconds. And it, it just baffled me, like, how could they be able to do this? And I could not. Uh, and, and I just, I couldn't figure it out. And these paragraphs explain it, you know, perfectly. You know, for somebody like me, no matter how great the necessity or the wish, um, you know, um, there's nothing I can do because I have a malady that my best friend and my cousin didn't have, you know, that is a spiritual disease that makes me powerless over food. Uh, and I am powerless because I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind, which these two didn't have. And that's why any diet was, was good enough for them. They didn't have the mental obsession that said, okay, now you're normal. So now go eat. You know, they said, no, you know, this is working for me and I'm going to keep on doing it. And they did it, but not for me. Not for me. I have an allergy of the body that makes sure that I cannot stop eating once I get started. And, I, and an obsession of the mind that pushes me to eat once I have stopped. Um, and that was me. 
Um, I, I felt so bad about it for years and decades until I came um, into into the room of OA um, and somebody whom the problem had been solved taught me about the real nature of my disease. And uh-huh. for the first time in my life, I understood what I had and what I had to do um, if I wanted to um, recover and stay recovered. And that put the foot down 100% entirely and work the steps every single day of my life until the day I am no longer here. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Okay, Nancy P. followed by Nicole C. You're up, Nancy. Hi, thanks for letting me share. This is Nancy P. from Newton, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. So what about the real alcoholic? I, I feel like, you know, the first, then we have a certain type of hard drinker, you know, he has this sort of life where it doesn't really consume him. But what about the real alcoholic? And, you know, the real compulsive overeater. I didn't start out as a compulsive, as a hardcore compulsive overeater. When I was very little, very, very little, I, I could take it or leave it. Um, and, you know, like others have shared, I had my best friend growing up um, was tall and thin, but felt as though she needed to lose weight. And I definitely needed to lose weight. And I went off to college and, you know, I, um, she was two years older than me. And we would talk on the phone when I was away. And she one day she said to me, she goes, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe what happened. I just, my life was just out of control. So I decided to quit drinking and go on a diet. And I stopped smoking too. And I graduated from college 40 years ago. And um, she graduated 42 years ago, and she has never, ever gained that weight back. And um, I was never able to do that, just like everybody else said. I desperately wanted to. And, you know, I have a lot of experience in this program. And I, you know, I feel like every time we stop and read a paragraph, it's the first time I've ever seen it. Because finally, you know, I see to myself, I say to myself when I read this, yeah, I lost all control. I lose all control. Once I start, I cannot stop. And as though that wasn't enough, if I don't take care of it, if I don't take care of it on a spiritual as well as an altruistic plane, both, two planes, meaning um, a power greater than myself, the power that, we, that the book says we need, and constantly working with others, I'm absolutely going to start to drink again. And, um, you know, I, I can say that the past couple of days, you know, earlier in the week, I started to feel not exactly restless, irritable, and discontented, but closer to that than I had been. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm fine. You know, what, you know I'm doing all the things. And I realized I, I, I had maybe not made as many connections on the phone. I left more voicemails than made connections. And so, you know, I stopped because all of the frothy emotional appeals on the previous page, you know, I can take it or leave it, why can't he, letting it drink like a gentleman or quit, all that, those are frothy emotional appeals. And those reasons disappear like snow in the sun to me. When I want something, when I want to eat, man, there is nothing that's going to keep me away from that. And I recognize, thank goodness, thank God, that um, over the past few days that somehow there was some you know, kink in the hose that wasn't, you know, that wasn't getting the fuel that it needed. So I, you know, I rushed back. Thank you. I'll wrap up. Um, I rushed back to start to um, beef up my, my, um, my program again. And, um, and I, I feel better today. So it's, it's every single day that I have to do this. 
it's not one and done. I have to work on it every day. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy P. Okay, Nicole C., you're up, followed by Larry K. Go ahead, Nicole. Good morning. This is Nicole C. in California. Wow. I, you know, I got to tell you, being in California at 4.30 in the morning, it takes a pretty, uh, a pretty interesting paragraph for me to, to wake up like this. Um, I, I feel so at home when we read this paragraph because my husband is not like me with food. My dad is not like me with food. My mom is not like me with food. Now, my dad is a foodie. And my husband, oh, he can really go to town on some sweets and stuff. But when he decides, oh, gosh, oh, my belly's a little full, i got to stop, he pushes it aside and stops eating it because he just doesn't want to anymore because he realizes, oh, it's not the healthiest thing. He feels kind of heavy and yucky. Or, you know, my dad, he loves to go out to eat to celebrate, and he loved to cook in the house growing up, and the ingredients and the social and the da-da-da-da-da. But sometimes, you know, he lives with me and my husband because he has Alzheimer's. Sometimes I'll make him some food, and I'll say, hey, I put this on it for you like that. And he goes, eh, I'm good, thanks. Or he'll have one bite of dessert and go, you could put the rest in the fridge. I don't relate to that at all at all. I don't relate to that at all. I am 110% take one bite of a dessert. And I mean, for me, literally all bets are off. I am 110% convinced that if I were to put one single bite of sugar or flour into my mouth, I am going to go right back to 220 pounds overnight. And and unfortunately, no matter how much I self-will it the next day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the phenomenon of craving is already set off. So I've lost the control. And I relate to this so much. I may start off as a moderate as a moderate eater, you know, I may or may not become a continuous compulsive overeater, but at some stage of my eating career, I begin to lose all control of my consumption once I take that bite. And there are foods that were okay with me a couple of years ago that aren't okay with me now. There are things that when I came into OA a few years ago, they were fine. They didn't bother me at all. And now when I eat them, I can't stop thinking about them. And so bye-bye. Because to me, food is a solution. It's not a solution to my husband. It's not a solution to my dad. It's nice, sure. But they're not trying to fill a spiritual hole with eating. I am. And regardless of my size, regardless of my weight, if I'm trying to control and enjoy my eating, I am miserable. I am absolutely miserable. My mind is not quiet when my mind is thinking about the food and it's absolute torture, no matter whether I'm skinny or fat. When the food is not quiet, I am miserable. I pass. Thank you, Nicole C. Larry K. followed by Betsy S. Go ahead, Larry, you're up. (laughs) Thanks, Amy. Thanks so much. Um, 
for your service. Yeah, everybody has a, 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 a everybody on this line has a different trajectory in their eating careers, right? And 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 when we reflect back, you know, some of us were real hardcore compulsive readers from our earliest memories. You know, here's the thing, you know, um, and, and I like Dew's example with her sister. You know, there there are people um, maybe on this line or in the rooms of OA that are like Dew's sister. And the third tradition says, except, except one thing, they have a desire to stop eating compulsively. So they they meet tradition three. Remember, the only requirement for membership in this thing is a desire to stop to stop eating compulsively. So let's say you got that person who's not like you and me. They don't, maybe they don't have the twofold nature of the allergy. They can stay stopped. I've met people in AA, they get a DUI, they've been drinking heavy, the consequences come in, they come to the rooms of AA, maybe it's court ordered, and they put the plug in the jug, they never work the steps, but they get great fellowship and they stop. And they've been sober and wonderful, living wonderful lives for 20 and 30 years, but they never had to work the steps. That's okay. They still have a desire to stop eating. They meet the, tra the tradition. So another paradox, though. Now, here's the thing, though. If that person sponsors someone like me, there, there's a guy on this line that I really respect. There's more than one, by the way, but there's one guy. If he was sponsored by someone that was that did not have the twofold nature of the disease, that was able to put the plug in the jug, they was able to put the Oreos down, the consequences, but he didn't have the twofold nature of the disease. That guy is not on the line this morning because he's dead. I mean, right? Isn't he? He's dead. So yes, but the paradox is he still has a right. That guy, that woman, she still has a right to be here. We have to discern for ourselves. This is a self-diagnostic deal. Do you, can you stay stopped? If you can't stay stopped. But don't die in the process of contemplation and analysis and paralysis of determining, am I maybe, if you keep looking for an easier, softer way, and let's just say you are the real alcoholic, you may just die in the process of this disease. Hey, we're all going to die. You may die in the process of this disease, the process of analysis. So for me today, I want to be sponsored. Thank goodness there's not a tradition that says the only desire for the only um, requirement for sponsoring others is a desire to want to sponsor. I'm glad that's not the case. <laughs> I had to have someone in whom the problem had been solved. Just wrapping up, Amy someone in whom the problem had been solved and had the twofold nature of the disease because they don't have to just put the plug in the jug. They have to work the steps to have a spiritual awakening. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. Betsy S. followed by Kim hey, B. Go ahead, Betsy. Yeah, hey, everybody. This is Betsy in Florida. Really grateful to be on this meeting this morning. Really love vision for you. Yeah. Oh, what a good reading for me. Um, I'm just reflecting about the progressive nature of my disease, how, you know, I wasn't fat as a kid. Um, eating was a really big part of our family life um, and my culture. Um, eating together, the conviviality of food, um, loving to eat, enjoying to eat, and being really outdoorsy and active growing up in Florida. I could and, you know, weight wasn't a problem, food wasn't a problem, um, and just noticing over the decades 
how uh, food stepped in to be um, the solution, as I hear people say, uh, for me. And um, and then, you know, it, and then progressing to the point where, you know, I, I've got this big hole in my soul and I, you know, not consciously aware of it. And, you know, I'm using food to fill that hole and the hole just doesn't get filled. And then I wake up one day and, and realize, oh, my goodness, you know, I can't, I can't stop. And I gain weight over the decades. I, um, I've never been one of these. I haven't been a person, you know, who goes out and can't stop, you know, where I'm gaining 15 pounds in two weeks. Nevertheless, my weight shot way up and then I'm angry and uncomfortable and hopeless and despairing, even though I've been in the room, um, you know, since the 90s, 1990s, um, I just want to eat. And then I've got to understand that, you know, I cannot white knuckle, I cannot diet, I can't control it. Um, and I've got to, you know, understand that I'm, you know, I'm of the hopeless variety and that I do have a twofold illness. And um, that's what I've got to, to get. And that's what I got. And then realizing that I'm a volume eater, um, not so much, you know, having to go get sugary, floury things as much as just wanting more and not having a stop button. I can't stop. So I had to surrender to the use of the scale, which I swore and I never do. Um, yeah, and just getting it that I've got to, you know, got to take the medicine, and um, I've got to, I've got to do the deal. And I, I started doing that about four years ago, and lost a significant amount of weight. And um, you know, and 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 my abstaining, um, you know, requires doing these steps and calling outreach calls and having a sponsor, like the previous person said, a sponsor who gets it about the twofold aspect of the illness. And, you know, I go to a potluck every Tuesday and there are really heavy people there. So women's gathering and everybody brings food and I pack up my own stuff. And anyway, three minutes, I'll stop. But thank you so much for letting me share. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Betsy. Kim G, you're up. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I was reflecting the last couple of days we've been studying people who don't need, who don't need to go to a 12-step program. You know, we discuss questions that non-compulsive overeaters ask us, not out of malice, but it's because it works for them. And now we're studying, studying the moderate and the heavy eater. And you know what I find helpful? I find helpful to think of areas in my life where I'm not addicted. So I can understand the moderate eater and the heavy eater. So, for example, you know, in college I tried pot, and the fear of getting arrested was such that I decided I didn't want to, I didn't want to smoke anymore. So I'm a moderate, moderate pot smoker. You know, when it comes to alcohol, I am the heavy drinker. I never drank when I went to college. I drank alcoholically for 10 years. Um, there was an incident where... I drove a friend home because I was less drunk than I thought she was, and I went long way down a highway, and I almost got us both killed, and it scared the heck out of me, and I stopped drinking. Now, if I had been caught that night, I'm sure the, I'm sure the police and the judicial system would have told me I was an alcoholic, and if I explained to them my history with alcohol, it probably would have supported the idea that I'm an alcoholic, 
And I would have sent, been gone, gone to AA, and I would have been told to put the plug in the jug. And I can do that because, you see, I'm not an alcoholic. Given that sufficient reason, I was able to stop. And, in fact, four years later, I remember thinking I'm just being you know, paranoid. I'm going to have a beer. And I had half a beer and thought, well, if I'm not going to get drunk. Why even have the beer? So I obviously don't have the allergy. So the real compulsive overeater is someone who has this twofold illness. So what does that mean? It means they have an allergy. Now, I know people in my life that tell me once they open up a bag of Doritos, they have to have the whole bag. And I ask them, well, what do you do about that? And they look at me quizzically going, well, I don't open up the bag of Doritos. So maybe they have some sort of allergy, but because they don't have a mental twist, they're not a real compulsive overeater. I also have a friend that obsesses about, about chocolate all day long. And she comes home and she has one Hershey kiss. And I've seen her face. Her face gets that same oh, feeling that I get. But that one Hershey kiss satisfies her. So she obviously has some sort of mental obsession, but she doesn't have an allergy. So I have to ask myself, do I have a twofold illness? Can I eat my binge food safely? No. Can I be abstinent contently? No. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. And as Larry's talked about, it is confusing because in Overeaters Anonymous, we have the third tradition, but I just want to read the long form of the third tradition. It says, our membership ought to include all who suffer from alcoholism. Hence, we may, we may refuse none who wish to recover. That's what our, our fellowship is based on, and it's confusing because there's many people in OA who are the moderate and the heavy eaters. Welcome. I need to be around people who are the real compulsive overeaters. And with that, I share. With that, I share. With that, I pass. <laughs> Thank you, Kim G. Thank you so much. Okay. We are going to take some more names down. We're on page 20. That sixth paragraph going through two paragraphs. Um, who would like to share? Suzanne G. G. I'm sorry, Ramona A. Name? I got you, Ramona. Who was before you? Ginger C. Oh, Ginger C. Gotcha. Okay, who else? Julie M. Julie M. Suzanne B. Suzanne B. Sherry C. Sherry? Was it Sherry C? Or Terry? Sherry C. S U R I. Very see. Okay. Let's go with this group. Ginger C, Ramona A, Julie M, Susan B, Sherry C. Go ahead, Ginger. You're up. Star one, hi. Ginger. Oh, there yep. you are. Hi, Amy. Good morning. Thank you. Good Thank morning. you for your service. Ginger C, recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And obviously, I can't go back to the day that I was born and being an infant, but I have a feeling because of the real compulsive overeater that I am, that I was probably crying because I knew if I cried, I'd get another bottle. Food was everything. And that effect was early. And it was very clear when I was three years of age. It's one of my family's funniest stories that they love to share and talk about. But at three years of age in my Chicago house, I left the front door with two pennies I walked almost a mile um, to the Howard Johnson's in our local town, went up to the counter with those two pennies and wanted two scoops of chocolate ice cream. What three-year-old is doing that? There's obviously something in the food that I was getting, some ease, some comfort, some relief, and I had some effect to that. 
So, again, thank God I do know because, like, people are sharing. I have to know. I don't care what you're doing and what's happening for you. I need to know, though, if I want to get out of this nightmare. I had to concede to my innermost self this reality that this is life and death. Because I would share my food nightmares in my AA rooms, and they would pretty much laugh at me and be like, Ginger, it's just ice cream. Okay, that ice cream is getting me suicidal and wanting me to end my life. It's not just ice cream. So again, thank God for every bite that I took because who knows where I'd be if I had one less. Because again, until it's head to heart and in this real way of seeing the reality and giving credit where it's due, this is unbelievable how it progresses and where it goes. You know, and as an alcoholic, when you take that first sip, you know, it is the first sip that gets you in trouble. I'm just priming the pump. If a little is good, more is always better, and game on. And the same thing with the food. I would just eat so much. I'd get so full and feel so sick. And what do I do? I crack open the Tums to help my stomach that's just like dying within so I can continue eating. That's not a normal person. A normal person feels full and they stop. When a person's drinking and they start feeling the effects from the booze and they know they have to go to a job the next day, they go home from the bar. They go to bed. They don't have the hangover. I'm swinging from chandeliers. It's insane. So I'm just so grateful. Thank you, God, this nightmare is not here today. It's amazing to be awake and alive, curious and in awe and loving life on life's terms, even when the pain presses in. And this morning when I woke up after I did my meditation, the light was so bright. And that's coming from our beautiful full moon. These are the things that speak to me today, not the kitchen and the cupboards and looking for the donuts and the next cinnamon roll and whatever, Starbucks. So it just blows my mind that I'm free today. Thank you, God, again, for every bite and the pain of those bites because that's how I found freedom. It was enough pain to convince me, and then I surrendered like I've never surrendered before. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger. Ramona A., followed by Julie M. Ramona, you're up. Hi. Uh, hi, everyone, and thank you for your service this morning. This is Ramona A. in Vermont, recovered compulsive eater. And, you know, I... I didn't know about hard eaters or compulsive eaters growing up. No one gave me any information about any of that. I just knew that something was very different with me and very wrong, and no one else in my family had this problem. And so I I don't know. I worked to, to not get too overweight, not that, you know, there was that shame in it so much, but I never had any choice. You know, I would get 40, 50, 60 pounds overweight and lose it and go again and lose it. I never had any choice. I just, um, if I would have dessert, you know, or anything sweet, I didn't know if I would just have a craving and white knuckle it for a few days, you know, until the sugar got out of my system or if I would have a three- or seven-year relapse, and which I have done both of them. 
um, and found it almost impossible, you know, to to come up with the the surrender, the willpower, you know, to to let go of this again. And I remember the first time that I was, you know, working professionally, and I was sent with, uh, you know, money for food to a convention. You know, and I had that daily amount that I could spend, and oh my land, I ate and ate and ate in different restaurants and whatever, anything that I could. And and I was so sick, I couldn't stand it, but I still, you know, wanted to eat more. And so I look back on so many experiences in my life, and I know, I know I've got this disease because I could never, you know, tell what I would eat if I had sugar and I could never once I got away from it I could never get rid of the voice in my mind that said oh just just this just get me through this project just get me through this day whatever so I just want to um to claim my seat because I know I've got both parts of this illness and I've got them good and um the only thing that helps me is, you know, my my faith in my higher power and working the steps and working the tools for all I'm worth. So thanks, and I, I hope that um, anyone who identifies with any of what people have said on the meeting this morning will stay and will keep coming back and will work the steps and, you know, find the, find the spiritual awakening. So thanks, and I'll pass. Bye. Thank you, Ramona. Julie M. followed by Suzanne B. Go ahead, Julie. Hi, this is Julie M. Recovered in Colorado. And I remember the first time I read this, being a little bit confused by it. Because as, as I was reading, I thought, oh, I'm a, I'm a hard eater. And then as I, got, as I got further along, I thought, no, I am a real compulsive overeater. And part of the reason that I, that I knew that was experiences as a young child. I grew up in a household where my parents grew marijuana and they sold it. And I was involved in harvesting it, making hash, weighing it, measuring it, all that. There was a full bar in the house. Um, The mirror that my parents used cocaine off of always had residue. I had access to everything all kinds of drugs and alcohol, and I didn't care about it. The first time I got super drunk, I was 10 years old. I had been filling my Coke can off the kegs when they were having a party, and I threw up. And and then I just was like, oh, gross, I'm never drinking again. And I could take or leave any of those substances. They were never a problem for me. But when it came to food, I could not stop. And especially as I got older, and life got hard, and I had some major trauma around the age of 12, I was in the food like never before. And I, I remember have, thinking that I had two stomachs because I would binge on sweets until it was coming up in me, coming up in my mouth. And then somehow I would have this other stomach that would open up and I could fit any kind of savory, cheesy, and then I would get so full there. But then my my sweet stomach would, would somehow be empty enough that I could eat a bunch of sweets. And I, 
I just, there was, everything else was around me, but none of those things called to me. The food always called to me and I could not stop once I started. So, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I'm an addict all across the board. And, and I, you know, thank goodness I never tried X, Y, Z because I know I'd be addicted to it. And based on my childhood, I would, I would say that that's not true. I think that many people are multiply, multiply addicted, but it's truly that, that just an inability to stop once started and that absolute intense craving. And, um, I know that I am a real compulsive overeater and I have met people in the rooms that don't appear to be. And it's, it's, it's only my job to assess whether they are or not, if they want me to sponsor them or if they're looking to sponsor others, then I would stay far away from them. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, Julie M. Suzanne B. Followed by Sherry C. Go ahead, Suzanne. Hi, this is Suzanne D. Um, from Philly, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, and um, I just wanted to share because I know for me when I first came in, <clears throat> it was confusing. And at the same time, I was looking for a way not to identify with you guys um, because I so really wanted to be the moderate eater or the normal eater or you know, I just didn't want to be a compulsive overeater in the true sense. Um, but I think for a lot of us, you know, like this disease, because <clears throat> I am an AA. And AA, it's, you know, you're an alcoholic. Um, but in, in OA, it's different because there's so many different aspects of this disease. And for me, part of my story is my weight, controlling my weight. I was a chronic dieter an obsessive dieter. Um, and so when I first came into the room, I didn't look overweight. I mean, I was overweight for my height because I'm really short, but like I didn't look obese. I didn't look. Um, and so I thought, honestly, that almost stopped me from coming to the rooms because I thought you guys would tell me that I couldn't be there because I didn't weigh enough. Um, but, but the bottom line is for me, like I relapsed over and over and yes, I have the allergy. Yes. You know, I have this twofold disease. I have a spiritual malady. Um, but until I acknowledged that, um, controlling my weight was part of this disease, like I really think, um, it, you know, it was this like separate part of the obsession for me. And, you know, I did have a period of restriction when I was very, very young. Um, you know, I did, I did under eat um, to the point where, you know, I was underweight. And so it, you know, for me, it's really about this obsession in my mind. What, what triggers that obsession is the allergy. Can I get the obsession without the allergy? Absolutely. I can. Um, and that's why I need the 12 steps. I, I know that today. Um, but I just want to say to the newcomers, you know, <clears throat> try to identify in and see, you know, see if you see if you identify and see if because this is just such an awesome way of life. Um, and, you know, the thought that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have um, had this way of life because I would have thought, you know, I don't belong here 
I mean, that, that makes me really sad, actually. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, you know, like somebody said, like, that tradition, like, if you think you belong here, then you belong here. And, you know, maybe we all can't sponsor each other, because we're not all the same in certain ways. But we all belong here. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Suzanne D. Sherry C., you are up. Please go ahead. Hi, this is this is Sherry C. Um, compulsive overeater, Connecticut. Um, thank you so much for letting me share. I, I'm my head is swimming with so many things that I want to share. And my perfectionist mind likes to go straight into morbid reflection. If I don't share it all, then it's not always so. I shouldn't share any of it. And I've learned, thank you, through OA, that I don't have to share it all. And whatever I say is I'm letting go and I'm letting God. And I have to also, I feel compelled to share that I'm going through a really hard time in life right now. Um, and I'm working, I'm here, I'm managing my crazy teenagers who are amazing kids but are being crazy to me that I'm only managing it because of OA and because I started working with sex. And I didn't even speak to my sponsor last night because I was just so, I literally had three kids calling me at the same time um, meeting me on the spot. So the bottom line is that this works. It just works. And I am still struggling with the food. But I'm st- my struggle is different, and I'm so grateful for the steps by which I can see the struggle change. And I know that I have to keep working these steps and working and, and, and identifying them and claiming my feet. And even though I don't have abstinence, I have a, a clarity that I didn't have before. And even though I'm so, I can still only own step one, two, and three, because those are the ones that I know by heart. I can say with clarity that I know that I get to the point where I can say all 12 by heart and I can own them just as equally because I have a sponsor who is amazing and who understands. I have a group that is inspiring every day that I'm able to call into. I have help for a power greater than myself because I live in a day and age where the food companies out there they have focus groups to figure out how to convince me to not only, not only did I have this when I was a kid, but I, I, I have to fight against people who are chemically producing food that produce the effects in me that I, that I had before. Him. So I'm doubly damned. I'm doubly at fault. So I can go into more, it's so easy to go into more reflection. It's where I'm comfortable. But I'm learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm learning to hold on and grasp onto the group, grasp onto OA, grasp onto my higher power. And with that, I just want to say thank you and I pass. Thank you, Sherry C. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared for an awesome meeting. Please join us for another awesome second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share IDs for today's meeting, Friday, April 19th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 
is 12,803. That's 12803. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Kim G., if you could please read our vision for you, that would be great. Awesome, Amy. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.